Well, I'm thankful for the love of God, aren't you? It's expressed to us in His Son, Jesus Christ, and uh, thankful for His mercies today. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me this morning to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21. Revelation chapter 3, very familiar passage of Scripture. Verse 20 and 21, I want to build on what I was talking about last night. And as we continue to think about this idea of being calloused and this idea of being, hearing from God and hearing the voice of the Lord. Let's pick up at verse 19 since we just sang that song. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Remember that word turn. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches." I'm going to focus on that verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with that person and he with me. Father, would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this word of Scripture. I pray, God, that you would speak to us today from your word, that you would equip us to be able to hear from you and to open the door in these days of camp meeting. I ask, Father, that the Holy Spirit would just come in a powerful way this morning as we gather together to study and to hear your word. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. It's been with us as we met together this morning for prayer time, as we've enjoyed studying your word in 2 John this morning. And now, Lord, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to us and that you would speak to us. And I pray that each of us in our hearts would pray this simple prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm also reminded this morning of John chapter 18, verse 37. And for everyone who is of the truth, hears my voice. Everyone that's of the truth hears my voice. Several years ago, I was the president of Go International as a short-term mission agency in Wilmore, Kentucky. And we had started a program called the Go Institute for International Leadership. And in the several years, about eight years that we had that program going, we had about 160 uh, college students and seminary students who went through this internship program uh, with us at Go International. And I often did mentored ministry for seminary students. There was a doctoral class that was at, the students had to go research and uh, interview someone about qualities of spiritual leadership. And so one of the students there at Asbury uh, Seminary scheduled an appointment with me and asked me to talk about some what I thought were qualities of spiritual leadership that every leader must possess. And so they hadn't told me the questions in advance, but I, I remember sitting there listening to this young man as he uh, was preparing for the ministry, and he asked me that simple question, what is the number one quality of spiritual leadership that you think every spiritual leader should possess? And I thought for just a second about it, and here's what my answer was. The ability to hear the voice of the Lord. The ability to hear the voice of the Lord. Can you imagine the difference that that quality would make in spiritual leadership in our churches? 
uh, in every institution, if those who are in spiritual leadership were able to discern uh, what God was saying to the church, what God was saying to the ministries, what God was saying, to could hear God's voice and interpret what God was saying and be able to pursue with a passion and a heart for Christ what the Lord was saying to the church. Anyone has ears to hear? Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I think it's a, it's a critical uh, necessity for us today in revival. As we think about these days of camp meeting, I think it's critical for us to be able to hear from the voice of the Lord, to be able to recognize and to discern uh, God's voice. There are many people who don't know how to recognize the voice of God. That's a kind of a foreign concept to them, that God wants to speak to me, God, uh, that God has a message for me and wants me to be able to understand his voice. These three keys, at least in my mind, uh, to revival and to a move of God. Number one is that God has to be speaking. Uh, there, there is no movement of God. There is no move of the Spirit if, if God's not speaking. God initiates all of his activities, and God begins to speak to people. The second quality is that people have to be hearing the voice of the Lord. First of all, number one is God has to be speaking, but number two, we have to be hearing God's voice speak to us. We've got to be able to discern and to hear and to listen. And then the third quality that we have to have is not only God speaking, and us listening to that voice. But the third quality is people have to be responding in radical obedience. It is quite possible that God is speaking, but if people don't know how to discern the voice of the Lord, or even if they do hear God speak, but if they're not willing to obey what God's commanded them to do, if they're not acting in radical obedience, then there's a breakdown in this process because what begins to happen is God begins to speak. God begins to initiate a conversation with us. And if our ears are attuned to him and we're listening to the voice of God, and then as God speaks to us and we act in obedience to that, then God continues to speak. Uh, at the end of this message, I want to I share with you some uh, insights that the Lord gave me about that. The more we use what he's given to us, the more we act in obedience, the more we begin to hear the voice of the Lord. But here's the truth this morning. Not everyone responds to the voice of the Lord in the same way. God is often speaking. In a, in a camp meeting setting like this, in each of these services, in our in our time of prayer in the morning, in our Bible study hours, our morning service, in our evening service, and the other gatherings that are taking place in this camp meeting. There's the presence of God, and, and I, I believe with all my heart, these are holy and sacred grounds. Don't you believe that? And that the presence of God is here, and God is desiring to speak to his children. And there'll be some who hear, and some who do not. There'll be some who sit under this tabernacle, like everyone else, and they come in and they go out and they just don't hear God speaking. Not everyone responds to the voice of the Lord in the same way. If you have a piece of paper, I want to just take a few moments this morning and uh, share with you a few observations that the Lord has uh, shared with me over the last uh, few months and, and, and years about hearing the voice of God and, and the way different people respond. I want to look at some of the characters in the Bible this morning. We're going to kind of take a journey through the scriptures and some from the Old Testament and some from the New Testament today and listen to, to some people how they listen to the voice of God and what we can learn from them as we try to press in to hear the heart of God. First of all, I'd, I'd take you back to the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and, and what we learn from the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve hid from the voice of the Lord. 
Adam and Eve hid from the voice of the Lord. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, you know what they did? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord uh, God among the trees of the garden. you you got to be kidding me, right? Here's Adam and Eve, and, and, and God comes walking. They hear the sound of God walking in their midst. They hear the sound of the very presence of God. And so what do they do? They hide. They hid themselves from the presence of God. That seems like a very unusual thing to do, doesn't it? Because it seems to me we should be running towards the presence of God. When God's speaking, we should be running into his presence and listening to his voice, but not Adam and Eve. Why? Because they had sinned. They had sinned. They had disobeyed God's word. The one thing that God told me, said, listen, you can, you can live in this garden, you can enjoy all these things that I've provided for you, but this one thing you must not de- do, eat of the tree of the garden. And, and what they do? They, they sinned, and they had shame as a result of the sin that came. So they had to keep that hidden. One of the reasons why Adam and Eve hid themselves from the voice of the Lord and the very presence of God, and God had to come calling for them while they were hiding, was they had sin hidden within their heart. There are some people who have sin hidden within their heart, and they don't want to hear the voice of God because the voice of God is a voice of conviction. The Bible says that when he, the Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And there are some people, it's an, it's an uncomfortable thing, right? I, I mean, if you're, if you're living a lie and you're not, and everyone else thinks your life is perfect and you're living a good Christian life and, and you're living a life of holiness, and yet you know the sin that's hidden within your heart, well, sometimes one of the last things you want to do is hear God speak because you know there's going to have to be some alignment that takes place in your life. And so what does Adam and Eve do? They hid themselves from the voice of the Lord. It's my belief this morning that when you hear the voice of the Lord, you either confess any sin in your heart or you cover it up and you hide yourself from the presence of the Lord. Adam and Eve hid themselves from the voice of the Lord. The second character I want to look at in the Bible is Pharaoh. The Bible mentions Pharaoh's stories. I mentioned it a little bit last night, but Pharaoh refused to listen to the voice of the Lord. He ignored God's, not only God's message that that God brought, but he ignored God's messengers. Time and time again, the Lord sent Moses to Pharaoh and he began to speak to him. Thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying to you. And he refused to listen. Let me just highlight a few of these verses of scripture, how, how Pharaoh refused to listen to the voice of the Lord. Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, and Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. I'm not going to obey the voice of the Lord. He refused to listen to God's voice. Exodus 7, verse 14, so the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and he refuses to let my people go. Verse 16, And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. You see, I believe Pharaoh represents a lot of Christians in the church today who don't want to listen to the voice of the Lord because they know that if they listen, God will have them let go of something. 
Pharaoh had <clears throat> the children of Israel who he had control over. Were, they were slaves in, in Egypt, and, and they provided a lot of things, uh, work and help, and, and he dominated over these, these people. I meet a lot of people who don't really want to open them up. They don't want to ask themselves at the beginning of a message, Lord, speak for your servants listening. They don't really want God to speak because they're afraid that if they hear God's voice, God may call them to let go of something that they've held on to tightly. And so they refuse to listen to the voice of God. As we think and we prepare for Missions Day, how many, how many People have gone to camp meeting their entire life and they just they don't really want to hear God speak to them personally because they're afraid. How many people have ever said something like, well, I'm afraid that if God speaks to me, he'll call me to go somewhere that I don't want to go or to do something I don't want to do. How many people have said something like, Lord, I, I want to serve you. I, I want to be, but as long as it's not this and this and this. Do you have a list of exclusions that you give to God? <laughs> I'd be glad to serve you. I'd be glad to work for you as long as it's this approved list, my approved list of things that I'm willing to do for you, but Lord, not, not to be a missionary. I remember that was, that was a bit of my prayer when I was growing up in camp meeting. I remember thinking, Lord, I'll do the ministry thing, but I don't want to be a missionary. And then I'll never forget in holiness conference at, at Asbury University, my senior year, I, I, I went forward and I committed my life. I didn't just give my, ask the Lord to forgive me, but I committed my life and I, I made a commitment. Lord, whatever, whenever, and wherever, I'll do it. I, I, don't, even, I don't even need to make a contract with you. I don't need, need to, you to explain. Whatever, whenever, wherever, you call me to go. As I look back over the last 33 years of full-time ministry, there have been times where God called and God spoke. And because of a commitment that I made at Asbury Chapel and Holiness Conference, the whatever, the wherever, and the whenever was a deal that was already settled. And so I've just picked up and followed God. But there's a lot of people who don't want to be in that kind of a position. They don't want to let go of something. They don't want to hear God's voice clear because they're afraid he'll ask them to do something they don't want him to do. Exodus chapter 10, verse 3, And so Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me and let my people go? It's a question I want to ask you this morning. How long will you refuse? There, there's one thing that, that I've learned in my life is that just because you say no or just because you put your hands on your ears and you refuse to listen to the voice of God, he doesn't change his opinion just because you got your hands over yours. He doesn't say, well, you know, Bert doesn't want to do that, so let me come up with another option here for him. Maybe he'll like this one better. Maybe he'll like what's behind door number two better than what, what well, the first thing I called him to do. God, God doesn't change his mind is what the Scripture says. And when he has a perfect will for us, when he has called us to do something, if we can, we can ignore, we can refuse like Pharaoh and not let go of that thing that, that holds us back, but God doesn't change. But here's what happens. When we refuse, we stop hearing God's voice. Adam and Eve hid themselves from the voice of God. Pharaoh refused to listen to the voice of God. The third character I want to see in, in Scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 15. And this person, Saul, he rejected the voice of the Lord. Adam and Eve hid, Pharaoh refused, but Saul 
flat out rejected the voice of the Lord. Let me walk you through some of this passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. This was the commission that he gave Saul. Now therefore, heed the the voice of the words of the Lord. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, if you dig into this passage of Scripture a little bit farther, you'll discover that the voice of the Lord in the following verses had commanded him to completely destroy the Amalekites. Here's what you're supposed to do, Saul. Go in and completely destroy them. Destroy everything. <clears throat> Wipe them out. This is a kind of a, a difficult passage of Scripture for us to understand as you read through the Old Testament why God had these people wipe out completely these nations. <clears throat> and many times the children of Israel disobeyed. Their leadership disobeyed God, and they didn't listen to the voice of God. And what they do? They'd been told to wipe it out. The voice had clearly said, <clears throat> eliminate them, destroy the Amalekites. What did Saul do? He kept the good stuff and only got rid of the bad stuff. <clears throat> How convenient, right? God said, wipe them out, get rid of everything. And Saul, in his leadership role, he thought to himself, well, you know, this is some good stuff here. And this is some stuff that I could use <clears throat> for the Lord. God could use this. And so even though God said this, even though God's word said this, I, I'm going to... I'm going to keep some of this stuff, but get rid of all the bad stuff and, and keep some of the stuff that I think is good. In verse 19, this question is asked to Saul. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, he's called, in, he's called into account because the word of the Lord had completely been clear to him You are to destroy. You are to eliminate. You are to wipe out. And Saul Saul rationalizes in his mind, okay, well, you know, this this is a kind of a version of what uh, what the Lord's asked me to do. And and, and in essence, I'm obeying the voice of the Lord, but I think some of this stuff could be used. We could recycle some of this stuff that the Lord has told us to get rid of. Now, I love verse 20 in this passage of Scripture because, and Saul said to Samuel, this is Saul's response, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because here's what God said clearly. Destroy the Amalekites. Wipe wipe them all out. Don't keep anything. Destroy everything. Saul thought to himself, okay, I'll do that. We'll defeat the Amalekites, but we're not going to destroy them. We'll keep some of the stuff. We'll recycle some of the things and keep that out for ourselves. He says, I I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but but the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice the Lord, the God in Gilgal. It's interesting that Saul was... An interesting illustration to me of many religious people today who are not obeying the voice of the Lord, but think they are. 
They've rationalized in their mind. Okay, well, God said this, but this doesn't really fit in my time frame right now. God's calling me to do this, but this isn't a good time with, a, with the age and stages of our kids right now. Or, or you know, maybe someday when I retire, I'll, I'll get to doing that. And God has spoken clearly, and we're rejecting what the voice said, but rationalizing in our mind that we're doing the will of the Lord. Verse 22, and Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Saul, you may think you are obeying, but you're not. 1 Samuel 15, verse 26 says, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return for you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. God could not use Saul. It's not because God hadn't spoken to him or he wasn't hearing the voice of the Lord, but he was rejecting his truth. Notice number one, Adam and Eve hid themselves from the voice of the Lord. The Pharaoh refused. Saul rejected. But notice number four, the children of Israel disobeyed the voice of the Lord. There's a common phrase that's used in, throughout the Old Testament, and particularly when it's describing the children of Israel. It says this, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. God was speaking to them. God was providing for them. God was leading them out of slavery and bondage and had promised them to go into the promised land and had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey and had given them all these incredible promises. There was only a couple things they had to do. Primarily, if you had to simplify it down to one thing, it was they had to obey the voice of the Lord. But because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, consequences followed their failure to obey the voice of the Lord. In fact, they missed a lot of time. Forty years they had to wander in the wilderness because they didn't obey the voice of God. Number one. Number two, because they grumbled and complained the entire time. And because they weren't listening to God's voice and they were grumbling and complaining about everything, God held them back because of their disobedience. Listen to some of these passages of Scripture. Um, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, and who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? They rebelled. They disobeyed. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 20, And the nations which the Lord destroyed before you, uh, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I have commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you have obeyed the voice of the Lord. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I've laid this all out to you. What you need to do, you just need to obey the voice of the Lord. What's required before you obey the voice of the Lord? You have to be able to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. But if you can hear the voice of the Lord and obey what he says, I'm laying out before you blessings, but if you disobey, if you hear my voice and you don't do what I ask you to do, then 
problems follow. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15 and 45 and verse 62 says this, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord. Are those not the saddest words in Scripture? Because you would not obey the voice of the Lord. What's your story with that passage of Scripture? Is there anything that I've missed out in my life because I didn't fully obey the voice of the Lord? Is there anything that you've been missing out on, a blessing that God has intended to flow through you and to pour through you? Because you have not fully obeyed the voice of the Lord. Adam and Eve hid from the voice of the Lord. Pharaoh refused to listen to the voice of the Lord. Saul rejected it and rationalized it. The children of Israel disobeyed his voice. Number five, Jonah ran from the voice of the Lord. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Did Jonah hear from the Lord? Yeah, he heard from the Lord. Did he receive it? Did he embrace it? Did he obey it? No. It says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. If you have your Bible, underline that word. Underline that expression. He paid the fare. Because everyone that I've ever met in my life who heard a clear word from the Lord... And they decided it wasn't the direction they wanted to go. And they not only turned and went a different direction, but they ran as fast as they could from the presence of the Lord and from the voice of the Lord. I want to tell you something I've observed in their life and their story that they paid the fare for disobeying God and refusing to listen to God's voice. And so God took Jonah through a series of events until he had revowed to follow God, to listen to his voice, and to obey and to do what God called him to do. There are many people on a camp meeting like this who come, will be on these grounds at some point during these 10 days, and they're running from God. God's been speaking, but they're running in the opposite direction. Let's look at number six. Peter argued with the voice of the Lord. I love in Acts chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, you remember the 
the story, and a voice came to him, verse 13 of chapter 10 in Acts, and a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said to him, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed you must not call common. And this was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Peter debated the word of the Lord. Have you ever done that? <clears throat> Have you ever tried to, uh, again, try to rationalize what God can't be calling you to do that? There's no way he would, at this stage and, and, and time of your life, there's no way God would do that. I mean, here, here Peter's touting himself as a good Jew, as someone who knew the Jewish laws. He knew that a good Jew would never, ever, ever do this. And then all of a sudden, he, uh, he hears the voice of the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times God speaks to him and challenges him to obey this word. And you know what he says? Never, Lord. Now, let me just give you a tip here. You can say never, and you can say Lord, but you should never say never, Lord. Amen? It's, it's, they don't go together. <clears throat> that's, that's not good grammar. That, that's, not, that's not language that God listens to. You have every right because God made us individuals uh, with a free will. You have every right to refuse, as some have done, uh, in hearing the voice of the Lord. You have every right to say, never. But you have no right to be like Peter and say, never, Lord. <laughs> because either he's Lord and he's in control and he's in charge of your life and you've submitted your life to him, or he's not. There is no part-time lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen? You cannot commit your life to him. You cannot consecrate your life to him and say, Lord, whenever, whatever, wherever, I'll do it. And then God say, okay, here's where I need you. I need you to go here. I need you to do this. Here's my voice. I'm speaking to you, and here's what I want you to do. No, it doesn't work that way. Peter argues with the voice of the Lord. How many of you have been arguing with God about something? You see, it's not really a matter of you hearing the voice of the Lord. You've been hearing God speak to you in your quiet time. You've, you know what God's saying. The, the difficulty is you're just wrestling and arguing and maybe even saying, never, Lord. But there's one more I want to look at. Adam and Eve hid themselves from the voice of the Lord. Pharaoh refused. Saul rejected. The children of Israel disobeyed. Jonah ran. Peter argued. I want to go back to that scripture I read last night in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah heard and heeded the voice of the Lord. Now, I want to go back and read the scripture I read last night because I think there's a, something key. We, we focused last night on this aspect of this prophetic word that he would give about uh, those who have become calloused or hardened and not, not every hearing but not really hearing and understanding and, and not really seeing. What, what made the difference in Isaiah? Why was Isaiah able to see the Lord and hear the Lord? Let's, let's go back and read this, these few verses of Scripture. Let's pick up and read in verse 4. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I mean, God had showed up in the temple. 
God has showed up in the tabernacle. In verse 5, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a, a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew with me and a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the, the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Well, what was the significant thing that took place uh, in, in this story? Why is it that Isaiah could hear and he was able to heed? There are two things. One was there was confession. Woe to me. I am undone. He sensed that he was in the very presence of God. And when he got in the presence of God, he didn't, like Adam and Eve, he didn't hide from the presence of God. He confessed, woe is me. In fact, it's one of the things that takes place the more we move into the very presence of God. You remember the story of uh, Peter fishing all night and, and Jesus comes out and he tells him to fish on the other side and, and he encounters. When, when, when Peter realizes that it's Jesus, what does he do? He, he says, woe to me. I, I am undone. I'm a sinful man. He asked the Lord to depart because there was a sense of his unworthiness, his sinfulness. And he confessed it. One of the keys to hearing from God is this the state of, uh, of being in a state of confession. And, and that, that if, we, we, if we've sinned, we, we confess that sin. We, we stay in kind of a state of, Lord, just giving to the Lord, woe is me, kind of statements in our life. Lord, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that, Lord. And would you cleanse me from that? And then there's not only the confession, but there's this cleansing. From the altar comes these tongs that touch the lips. And his uncleanliness is cleansed. This is why holiness is so important to us. It's, it seems like the message of holiness is just being discarded as an old-fashioned, crazy idea. But it's not. It, as as uh, Matt was talking about this morning, it, I think the, the rules are changing, right? Thank God. that Holiness isn't about the outward appearances of the things we do. It's about inward work of the Spirit in our lives. But holiness is absolutely critical to, to a successful spiritual life. Because unless I'm walking in fellowship and communion with the Father and His Son and the Spirit, then I'm going to stop hearing from God because sin separates us from God. And Isaiah was able to experience the voice of God. He came in the very presence of God. But what made it so fulfilling in his life was that he, he confessed, woe is me, and was cleansed through the power of the Spirit. Dallas Willard wrote, Our failure to hear his voice when we want to is due to the fact that we do not, in general, really want to hear it. That we want it only when we think we need it. Is that a problem? We think to ourselves, okay, I, I don't want God to speak to me. I don't want God to refine me. I don't want God to step on my toes. I don't want God to step in here and, and meddle in my life. Oh, but my, my, my kids are sick, or we've, got, we've gone through a loss of job, or we've gone through a difficult time. We're going through a, 
uh, a time of inflation. Finances are really difficult. God, we need you. And so, God, would you speak to us? We call on him when we need him. Rather than that being the normal discipline of our lives. We seem to be living in a day similar to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, where it appears that the voice of the Lord is rare. I think just like in Samuel's day, God's voice was trying to be heard, but because his voice was not revered, it was rare. Did you catch that? Because it wasn't revered among the people of God, because there was sin among God's people, and they... The voice of the Lord had become rare. No one had a new. God was speaking to Samuel the whole time. He didn't recognize the voice of God. He didn't, hadn't learned to, to hear the voice of God. And because we don't revere the voice of the Lord like we should, it appears that it's incredibly rare. But I promise you this morning that God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak through his word this week. God wants to speak to your heart if you're listening. So the scripture I shared last night, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the day of rebellion. To hear his voice. Let me close with this uh, idea. I said that I wanted to come back to something that uh, the Lord had revealed to me. Have you ever read something in Scripture and thought, that, that appears somewhere else? Have you ever done that in your, your quiet time? I was reading uh, in a sermon preparation uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I came to this passage in Matthew 7, verse 2, that says this, with the same judgment you use, it will be measured back to you. And I, th- I think to myself, you know, that's, I've, I've read that phrase before. What measure you use will be measured back to you. <clears throat> So I did a little study in the scripture, and what I realized that there are three times where this expression is used in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all use this phrase, but they have a different tagline with it. Matthew, when he, when he reads uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we, he talks about judgment. The judgments you use, it'll be measured back to you. It's a good message for, you, for us to understand this morning that if I'm judging others harshly, God's going to measure that same measure of that standard back to me in my life, and I'll be judged the same way. This, the measure I, I use in judgment is going to come back to me, and I'm going to experience that again. And so uh, in Luke, in Luke's gospel, in the sixth chapter, verse 38, it's about giving. It's not about judgment. Matthew talks about judgment being measured back to you, but in Luke, it's about giving. And the way you give, it will be measured back to you. So if you're jo- sowing generously, and, and, and giving to the Lord generously, then God's going to return that on you. He's going to measure that back to you, and whatever you're giving is going to come back. You cast your bread upon the water, and not many days it's going to come back. How you judge others will be measured, and it'll come back. How you give will be measured and come back in the same proportion. But there's one other one. In Mark chapter 4, it's also the Mark's account of the story we referenced last night, this parable of the sower and the soil, the seed and the soil. Now, let me just kind of highlight to you just a few things before I give you the punchline in Mark chapter 4. Verse 15 talks about the wayside, the, 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 the soil of the wayside. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and snatches it. 
It's the word of God has been sown. The, <clears throat> the voice of the Lord has spoken. The word has been spread. And immediately Satan comes because it's hard ground. In verse 16, it's the stony soil. And when they hear, they receive it, but because it has no root, it endures only for a time. So they, they hear the word of the Lord. They know what the word says, but there's no depth. And so it sprouts up, but then it just vanishes. Then in verse, eight, uh, verse 18, there's the thorns, the thorny soil. And when they hear, it takes root and begins to grow, but it gets choked out by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. But they heard, it just got choked out. Another priority came and distracted them. But then, verse 20, talks about the good soil. When they hear it, they accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and even 90-fold. Now, then comes verse 23 through 24. If anyone hears, has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to him, take heed to what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Three times. How you judge others will be measured and returned to you. And same, same measurements. How you give will be measured and returned back to you. And how you hear the voice of God will be measured and returned to you. You say, Bert, I'm not hearing from God. Is that true? Or is it you've done nothing with what you've heard? Let's not be the wayside soil the stony soil, or the thorny soil this week. Let's commit ourselves as God speaks to us, whether that's through a Bible teacher, a, a morning message, evening message, a devotion, and a time of prayer, as you gather around with other believers on the camp. Let's be a people that's committed to hearing and obeying and doing the voice of the Lord. Let me close with this illustration. The story takes place in the Old Testament, but the New Testament references it in Acts chapter 7, verse 31. Describes Moses as God's calling him to go be the deliverer. And uh, he, Moses is in the backside of the desert, and he's walking. He sees this burning bush that won't burn up, and he, he draws a little closer. It says, when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight in verse 31 of chapter 7. Now listen to this. Don't miss this. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him. As he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him. Now, what happens? Let's just play that out for just a second. What happens if you're Moses and you happen to notice this burning bush 
And you think that's odd. We're out here in the desert and it's dry. And uh, that bush doesn't seem to be burning. It's not, it's not being consumed. Uh, that's interesting. Unless you just walk on by. Do you get to hear the voice of the Lord? No. But what happens if you observe that burning bush and you draw near? That's when the voice spoke to Moses. Let us draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. Father, I pray you teach us to listen to your voice. I pray that the Holy Spirit would so get a hold of our hearts this week in camp that we could say at the end of this time together, there's never been a 10-day period in my life like I heard the voice of the Lord as I did at Camp Syker in 2022. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to this word. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live I surrender We'll do verse 2 because it links back to that sermon. It says this, All to Jesus I humbly at his feet I bow. Humbly at his feet I And we give this to the Lord. Worldly pleasures all forsaken Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. quick question and a, a bit of an invitation. Anybody in the room that would say, uh, I think I always listen to the voice of the Lord perfectly and respond in obedience 100% of the time. Okay, we're going to have you preach tonight if that was you. So here's an encouragement. What, what if we took this message, these notes? I hope you were taking notes. And held them before the Lord in prayer today, this week. And listen 
to the Spirit of God speak to us about our listening or lack of listening. And invited the Spirit to, to point out the places where we might be arguing or debating or refusing or resisting or rejecting. If we held that before the Lord, humbled ourselves in surrender and said, God, I, I don't want to mute your voice in my life by not responding when you're speaking. Lord Jesus, we, we want to be those who can say, speak for your servants are listening. We acknowledge, God, that we, we've got some ways to go sometimes. God, would you convict us by your spirit that we might be able to recognize the, the areas of our lives or perhaps even the patterns of responding to your voice that keep you from speaking more? Would you point those out to us, God? Would you bring us to a place of surrendered trust and obedience that we could remove the obstacles that keep us from hearing and responding? God, as you do that this week, would you help us to be faithful by the power of your spirit in us to both hear and to respond in obedience, God. We are drawing near to you this week. Would you speak? Give us grace to respond in obedience, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.